The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and a media producer. I run a website called youthrivehere.com. I'm here with the famous Raymond Anderson, Senior Minister for the Center for Spiritual Living, Greater Baltimore. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing exceptionally well and feeling scrumptious today. And you? Scrumptious? <laughs> You're feeling scrumptious? Feeling scrumptious today. What, today is that, what does that mean? It's a delicious kind of day, you know, enjoying life. Edible? Edible, edible. The incredible edible life. Well, well, that's good. I, I don't think I've ever heard scrumptious as a adjective for a day, but that's wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. Enjoying every bite of it. All right. Well, I'm not going to go any further into that. Um, now, the uh, our guest today is going to be uh, Howard Falco, who's really interesting, his book, uh, one of his books is called I Am, and he talks about an amazing experience he had and um, some incredible insights that came to him, some of which I think will be familiar, but yes. always good to hear this kind of uh, information from all kinds of different sources. I think he's going to be a really interesting guest. Agreed, agreed. Um, now, let me ask you, are you prepared Prepared. See, you open open the box that way, and I'm like, what, prepared for what? Your music inspiration today. Oh yes, 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 yes. Of course. All right. So we I'm always like in my heavy metal album collection. No. I'm yes. <laughs> yes. I, I'm not going to do ACDC today. <laughs> I'm not doing heavy metal, but I do have something uniquely unique. All right. Well, we always like to start the show with a little bit of music inspiration. Things that just kind of motivate us and get us rolling and uh Raymond why don't you go first today okay you ready I'm ready okay, here we go they try to keep you down but there's no
know who that was? I do not, but I like the O-O-O's. <laughs> of course you would. That's uh, it's, it's the famous, world famous, international, interstellar RuPaul. Is it? Yeah. Well, interesting. <laughs> I, I didn't even know he did albums. Oh, uh, yeah. He's got a, several of them. Really? That's very interesting. Well, that, that sounds really cool. What's the name of the song? Champion. Champion. I like it. Yeah. Where can we, can we get that online, I take it, at the Apple Music or one of the stores? Yes, for sure. If you, you know, uh, search for RuPaul and go through, I'm not sure exactly which album this one is on. It's one of the relatively new ones, but yeah, it's available. Awesome. Well, that's really interesting. I'll have to de definitely take a look at that. Take a listen to that. Yes, yes, yes. Take a look, too. I'll look, at, I'll look and listen. <laughs> Your turn. My turn. Okay, you ready? Yes. All right, here we go. What's the eye behind the eye? I am. Who's the me behind the eye through which I see? Am I the watcher or is there something else that's wanting to be seen through me? I've accumulated all these things Artifacts, possessions, names they try to tell the tale of me But I am holding on to thinking there's a little bit more I'm going to give you one guess. One guess on who that is. Bob. Uh, Bob Sima. <laughs> Bob Sima is a, yes. a, fr a friend of both of ours. And yes. he, he's awesome. I love that song. Yes. Somehow it felt appropriate to today's topic. Yeah, I agree with you. Yes, very much so. And you can very definitely... You can definitely find him on Apple uh, and on lots of other things. You can go to his website, which is bobsima.com. Sima is spelled S-I-M-A uh, to get more about him. He's actually in the Baltimore, Washington area, and but he travels all over the place. And, uh, you know, his music is really wonderful. It it's really spans a whole lot of categories. And he does – he also – he and his uh, – Girlfriend or is this, I know he's uh, engaged. Did they get married? Yes, they got married. Okay, so Shannon and he uh, do breath workshops and all yes. kinds of things. So you should definitely check them out. But uh, that's Bob Sima. I am. Um, uh, check it out. What do you think, Raymond? Oh, no, I'm with you 170,000% on that one. Bob and Shannon are definitely a force to be reckoned with. You are over the top. You look, listen to that. You're scrumptious. <laughs> Scrumdillyumptious, as Willy Wonka would say. <laughs> awesome awesome all right are you ready yes. for dueling inspirations yes dun, 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 dun. my inspiration is better than your inspiration 
<laughs> That's what you say. That's what I say. All right. You want to go? Yeah, I'll go first. Mine is short and sweet. Ready? Ready. Yesterday, I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today, I am wise, so I am changing myself. Your turn to guess. Do you know who that is? I'll give you a hint. Give me a hint. Starts with an R, four-letter name. No <laughs> idea. Rumi. Oh, yes, yes. I did recognize the, the talk. I just couldn't remember who it was. Rumi, awesome. Yeah. He's, a, he's a really hip guy. Amen to that. <laughs> Your Am turn. Amazing work, amazing work. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's going to be hard to beat, but uh, here's mine. Okay. And it's longer than yours. <laughs> Does that count? Is that? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. Whatever thoughts, beliefs, opinions, theories, or dogmas you write, engrave, or impress on your subconscious mind, you shall experience them as the objective manifestation of circumstances, conditions, and events. What you write on the inside, you will experience on the outside. What? 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 Hey. That's hey. Stuff right there. That's uh, Joseph Murphy from The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. Yeah. Classic. I love that book. I've been rereading it and rereading it. And I got sort of a deluxe edition recently. Okay. Okay. And I just, I love that book. I mean, you know, there's always things you can, you can tweak or, or think differently about, right, right. but, but I think there's so much great inspiration in that book. I, I go back, back to it again and again lately. Yeah. He was one of my first introductions into this whole new thought air arena. Yeah, and, and a very valuable one, I think. Yes, I agree. Very much so. Cool. All right, audience, what do you think? Who wins? I, I think I do. I do. I win. I do, too. All right, you're right. We both can win, can't we? Yes. That's the great thing about new thought. <laughs> That's true. We can all be scrumptious. Yes, for sure. So we are talking today with Howard Falco, as I mentioned, and his book, I Am. Yes. And, you know, very much, it, I think it's about coming into one's own, um, not, but in different ways. Um, and I think pop culture, recent pop culture and semi-recent pop culture can illustrate this to some extent. Um, I don't know if we've ever mentioned that we like superhero movies. I don't think we have. I, I don't know if we have or not. Yeah, I don't um, think so. but I think one of the best. Well, there are several that that really work for me in that in this regard. Okay. Uh, one, of course, is Doctor Strange. Of course, because I, I think that's probably the most illustrative because we we come from an arrogant neurosurgeon, <laughs> you know, who 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 doesn't take anything beyond his ego seriously. Yeah. Yes. And he transforms. He really becomes something much bigger than than what he initially perceived himself to be. Agreed. Because like, even if you look at Tony Stark, he, his arrogance as Iron Man still remained. He was st he wasn't quite as arrogant in the same way, but he was still arrogant. Tony Stark. True. I do. I do think by the end of uh, Avengers Endgame, and we're not going to give spoilers away. But I think by the end of that movie, he kind of came closer. Yes, yes. He became more selfless, yes. 
it became an his arc was kind of uh, more fulfilled. Yes, agree. What does I am mean to you? What does that what does that represent for you? So because of you know my Christian background, every time I hear that you know that that phrase I am, I always think back to the whole story of you know Moses going to the top of the mountain, you know being given the Ten Commandments, and Moses saying. So, uh, Mr. Burning Bush, when I go back down to the bottom of the mountain, the people down there, they're going to ask me because they're big on names and genealogy, and they're going to ask me who sent me and who sent this. So what, 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 what do I tell them? <laughs> and it was, you know, I am that I am. yod hey bob hey. So the idea that I am is the name of God. So anytime we use I am with anything, I am sick and tired. I am you know, uh, tired of my job, I am ugly, I am fat, I am whatever, we're actually putting the name of God, you know, energetically to whatever it is we're saying. So I am, for me, is a declaration of my own divinity. Very cool. Very cool. So I think it really is two, two things that happen. One, I think, in sort of a everyday worldly manner, we, we become more of who we are at our core in terms of our personalities you right. know it's sort of that that growth to from um you know total not uh, total attachment to just the ego and just not having a, a a direction to becoming who we are you know that feels right and and per more perfect for us and then it's also the level of you know, who am I really at my deepest core? Right. You know, how, how do I connect to the universe and spirit? Right. So um, just to give an, another conversation because, you know, Star Wars. Um, oh, of course. I think I've seen that. Yeah. The, uh, I mean, the whole, I'm talking about original trilogy, not this stuff that comes after it or before it. Hey, watch it, watch it. You might get some, you might get some folks upset now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I accept the, the sequels. I don't accept the pre, the prequels. I, I'm sorry. I just don't. I got you. I got you. Go ahead. So the original trilogy. So we, we see Luke Skywalker's arc. Uh-huh. And from, from just avoiding everything and not coming into his own to totally coming in and accepting himself as a Jedi master at the end of Return of the Jedi. Right going from a farmer yeah right? yeah from, from a young farmer to someone who you know has to and relatively quickly learn to trust the force like very quickly long before even becoming a, a full-fledged jedi just trust the force you know in his battle with the death star and then we see him go through the whole thing of finding out who his father is and yeah it, it, yeah that's a powerful i am right there and, you know, I think uh, we could go on and on and on. I, you know, Spider-Man, have you seen the new Spider-Man or the most recent Spider-Man? Not yet, not yet, not yet. Okay, but well, there's some, there's some themes in there that might be appropriate. What? Oh, what? What? Okay. Not a spoiler, not a spoiler. Okay. I mean, you can if you want to. I can, you know, close my ears. Uh, Spider-Man turns out to be Tony Stark. What? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I got you. It's all yes. good. Yeah, actually, it turns out to be Luke Skywalker. Anyway, um, 
<laughs> there is much that we can discuss about this. And I, I don't know if that was even interesting to anybody, but, <laughs> you know. Somebody out there. Somebody I like, out there is having a nerd moment with us. Nerd moments are what this show is about to some extent. So I want to throw this out there, though. Um, since you're mentioning uh, pop culture and the whole I am concept, there's a show, movie, series, whatever, on Amazon Prime called Homecoming, starring Pretty Woman herself, Julia Roberts, where she's a therapist helping military men, you know, reintegrate back into society after war. And so I'm watching this, and being the nerd that I am, I'm not just watching the movie, you know, and listening to dialogue, I'm looking at the scenery and she, at her desk, in the front of it, she has a little bookcase, literally in the front of her desk. And one of the books, very visibly in the front of her desk, is I Am by Howard Falco. Interesting. Because it plays into the theme of the movie of what does it mean to step into your own? Who are you? What is your I am? And it was both for her as a therapist and for the, the uh, patients that she was working with. That's fascinating. I wonder if Howard knows he, he made an appearance in there. I mentioned it to him. When I saw it, I was like, hey, type, 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 type. Howard, did you know this was? He said, uh, no, I didn't know, but thank you for letting me know. I'm going to look for it now. Yeah, I definitely. And sent it to him. Cool. Well, that's yeah, very cool. Very well, it, it works. It's important to every aspect of our lives. And once we develop a more secure sense of it, you know, it's it changes our experience. I agree. And I think... Um, in light of so many things that are going on, if more people were in tune with that aspect of themselves, there would be no need for addiction, whether it's to drugs or food or work. There would be a lot of the, the political strife that we're facing. If people really knew who they were, it gives us better clarity, greater clarity in how we connect with other people. But because we don't know who we are, like if I don't know me, how do I ever get to know you? Yeah, that totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. All right. Well, we will go to our interview with Howard Falco, author of the books, I Am, The Power of Discovering Who You Really Are, and Time in a Bottle, Mastering the Experience of Life. Howard's an expert on human understanding and potential. He's a spiritual teacher and peak performance coach to college and professional athletes, CEOs, corporate executives, and individuals looking for a new way of overcoming life's challenges and achieving success. In late 2002, Howard went through a sudden and extraordinary expansion of mind. During this enlightenment, the core essence of underlying all human creation, action, reaction, joys, and suffering was revealed to him. Since then, he's set out to honor what happened by sharing what he learned and teaching others how to tap into this power. More information about his work can be found at howardfalco.com. Hi, Howard. How are you? Welcome to Big Universe. I'm good. Thank you very much for having me, Jim. That was, that was a mouthful. I have to yeah. tell you, that was, a lot to, that was a lot of introduction there. <laughs> yeah, we can work on cutting that down. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first big thing is the obvious one. Tell us where you were in your life and how this um, enlightenment happened to you, this experience happened to you. Um, well, it started when I was really young and I had a huge curiosity about life, just a massive um, self-inquiry about the nature of existence and, and my place in the universe. And that was sparked by uh, when I was on a camping trip and 
Um, I, the first time I looked up and saw the stars for the first time in the sky, the full sky, uh, unobstructed by any light pollution, I was blown away by seeing that canopy above our heads. And that set me on this journey to really try and understand more about life and existence throughout my, my youth. When I got to college, I, there were certain things I wanted to do. I wanted to check off my list. I, I put myself through college. I wanted to get married. I wanted to have kids. I started to check off all the things that you're supposed to do to be happy. And it wasn't satiating the deeper questions I had about the nature of life and existence. And so by the time I hit my mid-30s, married with two kids, everything good in my life, but yet I was a little bit freaked out because I wasn't at a state of peace and was wondering when that would ever come. And that's really what sparked these questions into a um, sort of a fulcrum moment in my life where I really had a crisis where I didn't understand why I was working so hard, trying to earn a whole bunch of money, uh, where that ultimate sense of peace and arrival came from. When would I be happy with myself? When would I be happy with my life where I could take that collective deep breath? That's what caused me to sort of get to my knees in a state of fear, wondering if I ever would be happy no matter what I accumulated. And ask, throw my hands up, not being religious or spiritual at the time, but throwing my hands up to life, the universe, whatever your idea of God is, and just saying, I am ready to know these bigger answers to these bigger questions I've been asking for years. And I was in a state where I was ready to give up my own existence for it. That's how deep this questioning went and how powerful the yearning was. I don't want to underemphasize that. Then I let it go and I said, okay, now you know universe, bring it for me. And I kind of went back into my life and, and a couple weeks later, it's, the answers started to make their way into my awareness, almost like a dam cracking where there's a little leak at first and you see a little water. So I got a little bit of insight here and there. I got, was in a seminar for the finance industry and I was talking about how you create everything in the finance industry. Uh, as far as your investments and, and the reaction and the response and how, whether you profit or lose or, and it hit me that I was doing the same thing with every decision, choice, action, and reaction in my own life. That simple shift told me that I, the power to regulate my experience was within me, not in the outside with anything I would accumulate, but it didn't matter where I was or what was happening. I still had that choice to decide how I was gonna respond and react. That opened up a floodgate for me. And the second piece of this was that I connected this experience to the questions I had asked two weeks ago, and then it really hit me. Wow, life is here, divinity is here, to answer us, to shed awareness on us, to help us to our creative endeavors when we are ready. And it comes through our regular walk of life. And when that happened, I was blown away and I got into a really mindful state and I said, okay, I, now the, door, the, the top is off Pandora's box. I know how this works. I'm going to go into life. I'm going to be very present, very mindful, and I'm just going to watch. And sure enough, it started to flood me to where I had this second experience, what I call the grand mall one, six months later, where that's really an unspeakable moment, but, but I did my best to explain it in the books where there was no separation between question and answer anymore. And I, the way I explain it sometimes when I speak is if you didn't know a foreign language and you went to sleep one night and woke up the next day and you could understand it, speak it, write it, read it, 
without any issue, but you didn't do any study for it, it just became known to you. It's the best way I could explain. So that's what happened. And when this big awareness hit me in this second experience and the depth and the beauty and the breath of it, I'm sort of condensing this whole experience, but I knew from that moment that all I wanted to do was to be a good servant of this material for the rest of my life and make sure that I presented it in the most powerful way I could to anybody who's interested on the path of awareness. And so that's, that's the short story, Jim. <laughs> So quick question in terms of, this is one of the things Jim and I spoke about uh, prior to the interview with you, why I am. Why the name? Yeah, like why is that significant? Why did you go there? Because, well, when I first started writing, I was journaling and I had a bunch of files and then one day I had like 50 files and I went into a room, shut the door and I simply went at, on the big whiteboard and and started to put them all in an order and an outline. And then the outline came and I saw how the book was gonna develop. But the core of the book is how through that statement, that is the most powerful creative statement in the universe and how we each define that on our own as a spark of the divine determines the thoughts, feelings, reactions, energy, everything that goes out of us to work to fulfill that positively or negatively. So there could be no better name for the book when you're talking about self-awareness and self-understanding, then understanding A, how powerful that word is, and B, how when you get a hold of it and you decide to take ownership over it, how your life can dramatically change if you're willing to go through the process um, to create what you're looking to create. Thank you. Now you talk about how your reality is limited and shaped by your self-definition. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, so, one of the more profound things that, that hit me was this idea that it's not only your choices and actions that are affecting everything that you do. Life has this incredible intelligent system to it where it knows what your truth is and it's looking to help meet you and serve you with that truth. So if it's a negative truth and you don't think you're a good person, other people who are, who are in that resonance of that state of consciousness are going to be around you and be connected to you and be drawn to you in order to help you fill, uh, complete those truths that you feel about yourself. Or if you're positive and you feel um, worthy of certain things in life, whether it's in a relationship or whether it's in business or, or sports, then the right people are going to make their way into your reality and sense that about you through your energy, um, your non-tangible energy, or, or it's tangible, but it's not physically seen that it can be felt and they're going to want to participate and help nurture what you're looking to do as you will to them. So that's how it works. That's what I discovered. We'll be right back with big universe on unity online radio. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, and welcome back to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. We're talking with Howard Falco, the author of 
I am. You participate in the creation of whether your life is goes in a positive way or a negative way. Is that is that true? Once you have conscious control of that. Prior to that, it's on subconscious control, meaning it's been it's been uh, initiated by your genetics, your nurturing, and your personal experience has put you on a path. Until the suffering or just the nature of your inquiry gets to a point where you're willing to look at it and reveal to yourself some of the ways that this works. And then you become more conscious of the control you have over that mindset, how you look at yourself, the beliefs that you let run your life, and the actions that you take and reactions. That's what going from, from unconscious to conscious control is. Many years ago, Howard and I had a conversation, and this is my segue into this conscious thing, because one of the things you helped me with uh, realizing and awakening to was how much conscious control that I had. So it's partly part of your responsibility of why I became a minister. But anyway, so I did this thing, and two of the questions that you asked wow. you know, for me to look at was, wow. who do I choose to be today? Awesome. And how do I choose to demonstrate this? So can you elaborate more on why those two questions are important? Because that's the epitome of taking control and harnessing the only moment you ever have, which is this one. So A, the question is, who do I choose to be? Okay, this is who I want to be. Then the demonstration of that truth is going to be how you choose to demonstrate that in the next moment. Because life's going to give you an opportunity, a test, something uh, to see whether the, to test the veracity of that statement. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. You get the next moment to do it. So you always have an eternal opportunity to change who you are um, as it relates to what you want to create. If the prior version is not worked in creating it, then obviously there's something in there for you to look at. So those two questions are, are, are really powerful. And maybe even a question before that is, what do I intend to create? Then who do I choose to be and how do I choose to demonstrate it is going to be the follow-on. Because if there's no intention, there's no compulsion to change the identity. So there has to be some level of inertia or some level of discontent in a way or, or desire to move you to decide whether or not the current version of yourself um, and how you're thinking and feeling about yourself is conducive to what you want to create. Do you find, because you do a lot of this work with a lot of folks, both athletes and CEOs, do you find that many people in today's society are seeking this, like purposefully seeking it because they're discontent with stuff? Or are many people I'll call asleep and they need some you know, catalyst to wake them up? What's your finding? My finding is, is people are ready when they're ready. If they have an intent to create and they're not creating, whether you're an athlete, a business person, someone in a relationship, or someone on a spiritual path, it's all for the same reason. So once, once you're ready to receive the information, you're open to the change that it's going to create, and you're not fearful of it anymore, the, the material will make its way into your heart, into your mind. Life is eternally, God or life or divinity is eternally standing by your side here for you with all this wisdom. So it's always around you. It's just a question of when you're ready to bring it into your mind, your spirit, and your soul in an effort to change and, and create something different. Um, so I think that the people that are, quote, asleep, that's just where their soul is in its journey and, and, and its readiness. You know by the question if someone is ready. 
And then some, many people are ready to, ready to ask questions, but aren't ready to experience the answers. And then some people are ready to, to ask the questions and experience the answers, but aren't ready to take action. And then some people are ready to experience the question, ask the questions, experience the answers, and take a certain amount of action, but not enough endurance and persistence and going through the tests, trials, and tribulations to complete the intention that they're looking to create. So life has a, what I call a perfect vetting process for, for creation and for anybody who's, who's on a road to, to do something different or new. Do you feel like life is the intention of life or the, the experience of life is intended towards positivity or is it neutral? Wow, that's a really, really good question, Jim. Let me, let me think about that for just a second. Um, so let me answer it this way, and this might answer the question for you. The intent of life is the expansion of awareness in order to fulfill the idea of infinity. So this is where we get a little heady, so I don't want to go too far into this. But it's for the expansion, the continually evolving expansion of awareness. I am that I am in all its expression, unfolding. So in order to achieve that, life has to continue to give those that are ready the awareness of what's necessary to make the changes to expand. As that expansion occurs, more individuals see not the individual I, but the collective we. They see the unity of all things. And to me, that's what love is and that's what positivity is. So I guess to answer your question, it is moving us consistently towards more of the understanding of our oneness and yet the beauty of our diversity, the beauty of our collective individualism, uh, expressing life in all its different forms and fashions, as long as it's not harming, hurting, manipulating, or coercing another individual, um, then it's going to continue to shed awareness that moves us towards that. Does that help the answer to that question a little bit? So it's a positive thing leading us to more love and connection um, yeah, for each person eternally. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, it's a good question. Really good question. What's your defini de definition of divinity at this point? Ha and I guess it's altered since your earlier experiences, but what's your thought on, I mean, what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's another great question. So when I grew up, um, I never really put a box around the idea of G.O.D. I never, God was, I just, I left it open. I didn't have to unwind any box that, that maybe was given to me. So as I went through this experience, what I've come to understand is that it's, you know, and I understand why some ancient religions don't even speak the name. They just bend at the knee upon the word because to even speak the name is to begin to box the idea. And it's such a, such a magnificent, infinite idea of power and glory and, and creative ability that it's almost, un, it's really, every time I start to say something, it stops because it's almost unspeakable. That's how divine it is. So to me, divinity is infinity expressed, um, but to put it in more human terms, it's unconditional love would be a better way uh, and maybe expression of it. It's the nature of unconditional love, helping each thing in existence to, more of, to see more and more and more of the power, capacity, and possibility of what it is. So that's, a really, that's really actually a really beautiful way to, to look at it. Um, but it's not a judging thing. It's not, a, a, it's not anything individual. It's not a, 
I don't see it as a, as a being. It's, it's more of a, of an energy and a feeling of unconditional love. In each moment you talk about, we're in three possible states of mind, negative, balanced, and positive. What's the optimal place to be? Cause a lot of us think, you know, we don't want to be a negative. We, we really want to be in positive, but is that the ultimate uh, state to be in? It depends on the intent of the individual. There's some individuals whose identity are built on a negatively mindset. And so they seek it. And so their intent actually is to find that resonation of negativity. Um, and there's some people that love to be, you know, ride roller coasters every day and, and do a lot of fun things because they don't want to have a gap where they might slip to the negative. So they're, they're always in the positive. Um, and they're using different methods and ways to do that every day. But from an optimal standpoint, and I have to be careful because I don't want to say this with any judgment on it, but for those that are looking for the most, let me say it this way, those that are looking for the most powerful way to go through life, um, then balance is that state. Because at balance, there's total clarity. There's the perfect Zen mind. There's the, um, there's, there's the field of all possibilities can be seen at any moment. And so you're your most powerful there because that allows the most amount of, of I, in other words, you, your identity, your needs and wants to be out of the equation and you to be in service of anybody around you and to allow that clarity to help people and to, to do things that are the most fulfilling you could possibly be in life when you're in that state. So yeah, balance is to me the, the most powerful place. And that's why people meditate and that's why people pray and that's why people seek to connect with the divine or read material that helps put their mind there or go on marathon bike rides or, or, or um, jog for hours and miles or on the bike or any activity that single pointedness. It takes all that outside and calms it down the negative and the positive and it just becomes focus on a task. I've read a lot about how monks thousands of years ago, when they reached this state, all they wanted was another floor to clean just to have this practice of single pointed focus. And, you know, I remember reading something where this monk said, please give me another floor, you know, give me, give me another floor to go, another task to put my mind in this state, you know, uh, because there's an incredible amount of unspeakable joy at that place of balance. Well, I have to tell you that I'm not in that place because I don't want another floor to clean right now. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> How do you define intention? Intention is what you're focused on creating or experiencing in any moment. So just to me, that's the GPS for your energy is where you're focused on what you want to create it. So if you go into a room and your, your intent is to have a peaceful conversation, then that intention is going to be the focus of all your thoughts, feelings, and actions as it relates to trying to create that. A lot of times this intention can be subconscious because these truths constantly seeking validation that are below the surface of our mind. And so like a lot of times with people who are addicted, you ask, you know, why do you keep doing this? And, and people don't understand that what's driving it is uh, the need to feel shame or the need to feel regret. And so the method, while on the surface seems like, oh, that makes my mind feel better, ultimately it gets them into a place where someone judges them and they feel shame or they feel shame about themselves. 
Um, so anyway, so it's just, it's a constant need to express, validate, or create relating to the self, which we're all here to do, um, to continue to express our, our creativity and to feel alive through that expression. So it's a very important piece of life. You know, the Buddhists say that, that desire is the root of all suffering. And I, I disagree with that. And, and it may be a semantic thing, but I don't think there's anything wrong with desire. I think that's a human trait and it's what moves us to create. There's nothing wrong with want. There's nothing wrong with goals, dreams. All that is really positive and it's part of the beauty of the experience of life. I think the operative word today is need is the root of all suffering. Because when we're in need, we've lost our knowing of our eternal self. When you have somebody that comes to you, a client, whatever their occupation or whatever, how do you express to them how to utilize the concept of I am? So it's, it's specific based on what they're looking to create. So for we could take an athlete or we could take couples or a couple that comes in or a person looking to improve the relationship. Um, once they demonstrate what their intent is, my intent is to have a harmonious relationship with my significant other, then their I am statements should be written in a way that fulfills and validates someone who is a loving, kind, harmonious individual. So for example, if, they're going to go into the room or go back home and they know they're going to be baited into an argument. Whereas before they fell into the trap unconsciously and started an argument, the new way they go into the room is I am aware now that this could happen. My new I am is I am a peaceful person who only sheds light and love wherever I go, just to take one I am statement. Then when they walk in the room and they get baited into an argument, they simply respond in a peaceful way. I'm not, you know, I, I understand where you might be coming from. This is not what I want to do anymore. Um, I'm willing to discuss this with you peacefully, but I'm not going to get into any heightened state because it doesn't serve you or me. That would be an example of someone taking an I am statement, writing it down, saying this is who I'm going to be. And then when the opportunity, life tests them on it, they have the opportunity. Now it will feel uncomfortable. It will feel unnatural. It will feel their, their whole energy and the old self will fight to talk them out of it. The ego will whisper in the ear, hey, what are you crazy? You should be yelling and she should, you know, he or she should know that this isn't right. And you get, you know, and that's when you really have to be powerful enough to say, nope, this is the new I am. I'm gonna take a deep breath. I'm gonna go for a walk. I'm gonna let this pass. And each time you do it, it's like creating a new muscle. It gets easier and easier and that voice gets lighter and lighter and lighter. Same thing for an athlete if they, are like a hitter in baseball, if they're demonstrating themselves as they want to be at a higher batting average, they're going to have to be able to take more chances on pitches early where they didn't want to swing because they felt like they would look bad if, they, if it was a pitch that was going to be a ball and they swung early and they were made to look bad. They've got to get uncomfortable and be willing to, to guess right early in the count in order to maybe connect earlier and create something different. And that takes a lot of courage. So if their new I am statement is I'm a great hitter, then if they see something that looks good two seconds after it's out of the pitcher's hand, they've got to be ready to trust their swing and execute in that moment rather than sitting back, falling behind the count, and then struggling from there. So um, those would be two examples of 
how these new I am statements can work their way into your existence. But at first it's going to feel uncomfortable. It should. It's the whole point until it gets comfortable. But when you break through that life will, you know, knock on wood, you can't connect it because it has to be on faith. But my experience is the rewards are unbounded when you, when you operate on faith to be the new version of yourself. So is I am, is it a sort of visualization in a sense? No, um, it's a new state of self-reflection. Okay. It's a new way to look at yourself, but the key to it, Jim, is that self-awareness and self-reflection, the, pe- the reason many people in the past have not wanted to go into that space is because of what I call the three poisons, the idea of guilt, shame, and regret. But the way that I'm bringing this into the world is from what I believe is the truth that we all do the best we can at every moment. Therefore, your past is a per- perfect representation of who you've been, but not who you are. It's based on the best you had from your upbringing, from your genetics, which has as much of an effect on you in eye color and hair color and skin color as it does in thoughts, beliefs, attitudes, fears, reactions. All your socialization is in your genetics. So those two starting points put you on a way that you embrace information in the world, shape it, and form your own identity. And so from the worst acts to the best, you've been doing the best you possibly can. Once that's realized fully, and this takes some self-reflection, some reading, and some private contemplation, but once this breaks through, then you're unafraid to look at any self-reflection. That's when true freedom and power comes in because you're willing to now look at your behavior and go, wow, where did that come from? And it's not from fear or, or shame. It's from curiosity. Like, where did that Wow. I knew my dad told me that when I was a kid, but maybe that's never been true and and certainly doesn't serve me now. So I'm going to take on a different idea. You know, Uh, I'm going to look at things differently and I'm going to take on a different idea of who I am. Um, And that's the transformational point. So, so it's a, this process of of embracing a new I am is really about self-reflection. Then once you embrace this new idea, then you can begin to visualize the, the person that you want to be. But remember, you can't visualize what you don't see or believe is, is true for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's just fantasy. So once you see the possibility as real, then you can crystallize that vision and actually start taking the energy to act towards it and put yourself in circumstance that where you'll be like, I've had many of these out-of-body experiences where I'm in situations I'm like, okay, I'm walking the talk right now. Like right now, in this very, like as a third party experience, I'm looking at going, this is pretty cool. I've been dreaming about this and here it happened. It took a a lot of patience and a lot of faith, but good for you, Howard. Like here you are in this moment, you know? And then once that moment's over, then it's on to the next, you know? But but it's it's a process of self-reflection and a new way to shape your identity. So in this journey, what inspired your second book, Time in a Bottle? How did that become the next progression? It's really interesting because what happened was, um, you know, it's an interesting process for me. You know, my agent said she's never taken anybody on that didn't have a big platform before, but she felt a gut feeling. The publisher said they never had someone who actually gave them a finished manuscript that was always a proposal and for a book and, and mine was finished. 
And so when it was done, you know, I, I, being immersed in this, I was like, wow, when this hits, oh my gosh, like, cause I was, I, but I didn't realize it's almost like I ran so fast and so hard to get all this information and this insight that when I turned around, there was nobody within miles to talk to about it. There was like this, this gap, except for very front running pioneers of the mind in the world, like yourself, Raymond, who was one of the very first and a, and a true pioneer of some of the deepest wisdom in the world. But you don't know how many people I've met that back in the early days, but when I went to their homes or stayed with them or went and spoke and I looked around their bookcases, it was everything that's ever been written in the world as far as wisdom. And, and so the, this is, it was very much out on the edge and front running. So, so I had to wait and be patient. So when I turned the book in, um, I thought, wait till this happens. Then I realized, okay, did you ever see the cartoon where there's two lines and one's got a long line in it and it says inconvenient lies. And the other booth says, real truth and no one's in the line, right? And so that's kind of the idea of society is that it, it, people tend to want to stay in ignorance versus truth because truth can be, fear, can, be, um, can be hard at first, even though it's the most powerful thing that can enter your life, right? So anyways, as it relates to Time in a Bottle, I had, the book had been out and it had been doing well and the publisher said, we'd like you to write something else. My agent said, we, they'd like you to write something else for them. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like they, do they know what's in their hands like that? I didn't mean to be ego. It wasn't like, it was just like, I just gave them a mother load in I am like, I, I don't understand. And my agent said, look, this is a great honor. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to look at this and respect this as an honor and an opportunity. So I went back to I am and I looked at a piece, a big chunk of I am that was edited out. That was on a tangent. And one of the things I relented on not putting in the book. Um, and it was a piece on time and how it works in our life. And so I took the opportunity to use that piece that I really loved that was edited out and create the next book, Time in a Bottle, and wrote how time works in our lives as it relates to creation, um, which I'm very happy about and, and I think is a very, um, uh, what's the word, under, uh, can't think of the word right now. It's a uh, uh, under the radar book, you know, Time in a Bottle. Um, so what's interesting is now, for the first time in six, seven, eight years, the creative has stirred in me again for a third, which I'm in the process of, but um, it'll be a little bit, but it's, but that's coming from direct uh, inspiration. Um, the Time in a Bottle did too, but it was just the piece that was written that was edited out that then got created. So that's how that happened. Um, awesome. And then, yeah. I just, uh, there are two things I just want to mention, but we just have a little bit of time left. Um, first is, I, I want to get your quick comment. Earlier, Raymond said, uh, when I asked him how he was doing, he said, I am scrumptious. <laughs> I, was, I was bewildered by that, but accepting. Is that, is that a way to be? That's beautiful. That's, I, what, what better word? Boy, scrumptious. You could look at that. Like, you just want to hug him. Like, he's loving, kind, all this energy, beautiful energy coming out of him. I mean, <laughs> scrumptious with something scrumptious it's like i can't get enough of it so that's perfect <laughs> all right and, and back to uh something more serious just the we just have a minute or two a couple of minutes so you know it'll be easy to answer a big question like this in that amount of time um you, you say um to that you have to make it matter for something to have an effect on you and that the lack of mattering 
is the basis of suffering. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Well, I think that it's not the lack of mattering that's the basis of suffering. It's making something matter to you that creates pain. That's the basis of suffering. And so what I'm saying is you have a choice in how you perceive and react to things and what matters. So before, if a family member yelled at you or judged you and that felt painful through a new understanding of who they are and that their word doesn't define who you are, you take power over that and then it doesn't, whenever it comes out of their mouth, once you really truly get that, has no effect on you whatsoever because you can see that this is about them trying to shape their world and not about you. And so when they say anything, you're impervious. And your energy is so powerful that it becomes harder for them to judge you. Whereas before you received it and it had an effect and it mattered, now that it doesn't anymore, they don't see a value in doing it because they're not getting the same rise out of you as they did and then they stop doing it. Right. So it's really a way to shape your, your, your reality through uh, a new way of interpreting things. It's very powerful. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Howard. You can thank connect you. with Howard uh, Falco on his website, howardfalco.com. Take a look at his books, Time in a Bottle, and I Am, and many bookstores, and of course, online. Thanks for joining us, Howard. Thank you very much for having me, Jim and, and Raymond. Uh, I appreciate it very much and appreciate what you guys do. So, thank my you. honor. And for more about Raymond, go to raymondanderson.com. I've also got premium video courses that I work on with amazing instructors talking about uh, spirituality, creativity, and motivation on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join us there. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk with you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.